Amen and good morning. So glad to see you. I know we say that as a platitude, but it is a reality for me. I am stoked. This is my favorite day of the week. Uh, nothing beats it. I cannot be more excited than to see each of your faces today. And so glad you're here. Let's start out with our shouts. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. I know and I keep hearing that in prayers and that kind of stuff and it gets stuck in our heads and we'll be repeating it over and over and, and some of us are going to get to our deathbeds and we'll be like, I love God and I love you. Oh, that'll be like, be like yes, we succeeded if that's your like deathbed cry. So uh, gospel uh, in small groups coming next week, gospel in the sermon series and you're like, hmm, I wonder if this might be important to the church. It is, but I want to caution us against gospel as a buzzword. Oh, I can become such a like Christian-y word, and I want to caution you against it. There's no power in the word itself of gospel. It's the idea or the reality of what the gospel means. Gospel is that good news of Jesus, not only for salvation, but for everything after that. And so today, we're going to talk about sharing the gospel at church. We talked about sharing the gospel globally and, and sharing it locally and sharing it um, globally, locally, and uh, oh, in our families. That was uh, Pastor Keith. We've got it still, don't worry. And uh, today we're going to be talking about how we share in the gospel at church. Now, church can be a funny thing. So I was thinking about church this week, and, and I made a list of some like kind of unique things about church, and maybe a little strange things about church. Uh, and I, I think this may be more for believers if you've been around church for a little bit uh, of a while. Um, one, one thing I thought was interesting about church is people attend church every single week all year long without any breaks. What, what else in life do you do? Like you, you go to work, but then you have a weekend. You go, to, you, know, you go to Christmas once a year or something like that. But what else do you do every single week? Even baseball takes a week if your kids are in baseball or whatever. What do you do every single week without taking a break? Now, y'all at this church, you take church breaks occasionally, so maybe it doesn't apply to us. But, but you know, like what other thing do people do every single week? Another thing I thought I was thinking about strange things that church people do is calling people brother and sister. And I was like, occasionally, okay, you know, like, oh, this is my brother, you know, but when they use it too much, it becomes really weird, right? Hey, brother Sam, hey, brother Rick, hey, brother, hey, sister Karen, hey, and then everyone's brother, sister, brother, sister. Like, I don't talk about my real brother that way. I'm like, hey, this is my brother Dean, brother Dean, can you come here, brother Dean? You know, like, that'd be really weird. Uh, but church sometimes, like, it's really weird about that. Like, occasionally it's fantastic. I love to be called your brother or you, uh, your sister. Well, I wouldn't be called your sister, but call you my sister. Sort of as a, as a concept, but not always, like, a, as a title all the time. That's a little bit weird. Uh, another a weird one, I think, church is the famously awkward church side hug. You don't know if you're supposed to give someone a real hug or, like, just a bump. But So you get that, that, that butt-out side hug. That one's really famous at church because, like, Boys shouldn't hug girls or something like that, and boys shouldn't hug boys. And so nobody gets to hug anyone except sort of like a, a Christian-y side hug to keep it all legit, right? And because a lot, lot of sin happens right in church on Sunday morning when you're hugging people. So that one's kind of a weird one. Uh, another one I thought about is like praise leaders who start every set with, all right, like that one's really weird, you know. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I, Jerry does that every week, and I asked him if it was permission, so I'm not surprising him right now but yeah you know all right all right you know all right we're ready jerry <laughs> and then uh lastly a pastor who tries too hard to make funny lists i mean that's so cringy right it's so awkward amen amen cringy lists now today we're going to see two movements about the church that aren't awkward or cringy but rather life-giving 
in terms of talking about the gospel. Both fall under the umbrella of sharing the gospel at church, which is our focus for today. And so the first movement, you've got to listen really carefully. It's going to be a, like grammatically tricky, okay? The first movement is sharing in the gospel at church. Sharing in the gospel at church. The second movement is sharing the gospel in church. Wait, wasn't that the first one? Wait, something was different, right? Yeah, so let me say it again. The first one is sharing in the gospel at church. And the second movement is sharing the gospel in church. The first one is experiencing the gospel together as the body of Christ, or also known as the church. And the second one is the church being a powerful tool to tell other people about the gospel. So two things happen at the church. We experience, live in, walk in, grow in the gospel when we're here at church together. And then also the church is the vehicle in which we share the gospel with those that are around us. And so the first wave we're going to talk about this morning is sharing in the gospel at church. Now this one's going to strike you sort of oddly, and here's the first thing I want to say about it. You can only fully experience the gospel at church. You can only fully experience the gospel at church. And by that, when I say church, I don't just mean this building, I mean in Christian community and fellowship. Now each of us can, we can meet God on our own, but that meeting will be an incomplete experience. You cannot see God fully if you're on your own. Seeing God completely requires us to see Him through the eyes of other people as well. To experience the good news of God and the goodness of God in all of its fullness, not just in a small phraseology or a catchphrase, but the fullness of the goodness of God, it must take place in community, not with non-believers, but with believers. That is the only way to truly experience the goodness of God. So when, when I see... Uh, Kellen here, experiencing God, and uh, just a couple of months ago, saying yes to Jesus, that, that changes me. Like him making that commitment, and, and for months and months we had been talking about it ahead of time, and, and for him to make that commitment of Jesus, like that changes how I feel towards God. Entering that experience with him alters my experience with God. When I'm, uh, when, I, when I'm watching out here and I, I see Derek out there hanging out with people and talking with people, and like, um, Derek's pretty good at just like small talk and hanging out and being like part of the group, and, and that's something that, that I'm not that great at all the time. And so I look at Derek and I participate through Ger Derek. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I wish I was like that guy. And I'm so encouraged when I see him doing that. Like, my, my soul is different as I watch him interact with people. Or, uh, you know, I, I sit up front and, and sometimes I can hear uh, Paulo and Julia praising behind me because they praise a little loud and, and, um, and uh, occasionally I stealthily sneak a glance back <laughs> to see them because I know probably they're going to have some hands up maybe. And when I get that glance back and I turn back around, my heart is fuller. My heart is different. I'm able to enter into an experience of worship that I wasn't having on my own when I see them and I'm encouraged by them and, and I enter into, into their moments of worship and then I get to join that moment of worship as I hear them and I see them and, and, and my heart is full and I, I'm changed towards God. I see God in a slightly different way that without them I wouldn't have been able to see God. The clearest example is if, if we don't have a praise band. When I have my guitar at home and I clang that thing away, there is no praise worship happening. It's me 
hurting a guitar, and God loves me so he listens, but that's it. It is not the same worship that goes here. I cannot worship on my own ability. I don't, have the, I don't have the talent to do it. And so I cannot experience God without these friends that will do it. People in our lives are necessary for us to experience the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the goodness of God in our lives. So we can only experience that fullness in community. Now this idea is clearly seen in this first pa uh, Peter passage that we're going to look at. And look, look at how God is going to say you're going to go from an individual to a group, and that's how it was meant to be. Check out in 1 Peter 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, he says, as you, and then I put in parentheses here, that's a singular you. This is the only time in the passage it's a singular you. So the rest of the time in the passage is going to be a plural you alls. Now English doesn't translate that well, so I did it for you. As you singularly... Come to him, God, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. So as you come to Jesus, something happens. Here's what it is. You, you all plural, also like living stones, you're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you all, together, are a chosen people, like you're a royal priesthood. You're this holy nation. You're God's special possession. And you all, so that you all could declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look, once you weren't a people, but now you are different. You are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy or the gospel, and, and now you have. I am a living stone, and God takes that living stone and he builds it together with you into a spiritual house. I, on my own, am a spiritual stone. I'm not the church and I'm not a spiritual house. I'm just a living stone. But when I get together with y'all, it becomes a spiritual house. We call this the church. You are a living stone built together with me into a spiritual house called the church. Like this physical building is not the church. I'm not the church alone, and you're not the church alone. And get this, Jesus is not the church alone. The church is only existing as us together. We together build the church. And that makes every person here, every person who claims to be Christ, an important piece of the church because you're a living stone part of the building that's being built up to a spiritual sacrifice for the Lord. It's like this. I have a picture right here. If you can spot what's missing, this is one of those like clue kind of ones, like where's Waldo? But if you can see that, do we have that picture? Can you possibly see what's missing? Is there anything? Yeah, there's a, there's a brick missing. <laughs> if the brick missing, uh, elements can get in the house. Wind, rain, that kind of stuff. Uh, Maybe bugs could get in the house. My wife's least favorite thing in the world, right? She would hate this. Bugs would be crawling in there. Snakes could get in the house through this. You know, uh, we were in Thailand, Ethan and I, and we were at our friend Peter's house, and, and there was a snake in their bathroom. I didn't see the snake. I just had heard it was in the bathroom. Uh, Peter had told us there's a snake in the bathroom. And then uh, mostly that's because the bathroom's like outside. It's not inside their house. It's outside their house. 
uh, but also because the bathroom has like a lot of holes in it. Like it's, it's really gappy. It's got more than just one of these. And then, and then uh, so I was like, well, I'm not going to the bathroom. And they're like, well, don't worry. The snake's in the door now because there was a hole in the door. So the snake, uh, you know, it's one of those cheap hollow like a bathroom doors. So the snake had crawled in the hole in the door. That, that makes it even more unpredictable. At least if I could see the snake in the sink, I could like be away from it. And like, I don't know. So I did not go to the bathroom uh, while I was there. Uh, luckily, we had a hotel room where I could use the bathroom where it was snake-free. Uh, I didn't want to risk the snake. It's terrifying. Can you imagine you go to the bathroom and a snake pops out of a hole? Like, oh my gosh. It's like the worst nightmare possible. Because, you know, like, that's the most awkward position. If you're in one of these, that snake comes out, what do you do? You can't run. You just cry and let the snake eat you. Look, the snake can get in our spiritual house if there's gaps. If you're missing. If you aren't actively participating in the church, there's going to be negative consequences because there is someone who is critically important missing. That someone's you. You're not ancillary. You're critically important. Don't you see the verse said? You're a living stone, I'm a living stone, but if we're separated, we're not the spiritual building. It's only when we're together that we come to the spiritual building and then we see all these cool consequences, that there's worship to God, that we become a people, a holy nation, a, a chosen people, something totally different, a priesthood, all this kind of stuff happens, but it only happens as the we. You came to him, you were a stone, and the we is all the rest of this good stuff. The we is all of the stuff of the gospel is the we. Yes, I individually come to Christ, but that's just the very first moment and the rest of the good news is that God has all sorts of stuff planned for you that's amazing, all stuff that are kind of in this verse. You are necessary to the church being built as an offering of spiritual sacrifices. You are necessary for that. It is essential for every healthy Christian to be at church regularly as God's primary vehicle for regular infusion of the gospel. And when I'm saying at church, I'm not just saying Sunday. Remember, I'm using church as like whenever Christians gather together. When you're here participating, you're taking in the gospel. You're living out the gospel. You're sharing in the gospel while we grow together and while we're built up into the spiritual house of God. Together offering this incense of praise that is different than when I do it on my own. Folks, you being involved and connected to church is essential to you receiving the gospel. Now, the gospel is Jesus saving us from sin, and, and yes, when we accept him as Savior, but also the next day. And the, the gospel is, is Jesus bringing us righteousness that the moment we make him the Lord of our lives, but also the next day. You see, the gospel isn't just for non-believers and for that very moment when you accept Jesus now, the gospel isn't for you. The gospel, when you accept it, is the beginning of your intake of the gospel. Sharing the good news, like, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that's the very first step, but that's the first step of an eternal life of good news that God has for you. Church is where you get to share in the gospel. Church is where we get to become the chosen people. It's a place where we get to train as priests. It's, it's where we get to walk in the goodness of God. That's sharing in the gospel. And the gospel will root us in connection with God and connection with one another. That's why we say that all the time. We love God and love others. 
We're profoundly shaped by the good news brought to us in worship and, and hearing in the message. And, and when we, we receive the gospel, when we, we take communion together, not just separately sort of just remembering God, but when we as a body of believers say, we're here together, Jesus, we're remembering you together. We're participating in receiving the gospel when we give generously, when we're at church, when we are the church functioning in all of its goodness. At church, we share in the gospel. But it's also at church where we get to share the gospel with others. And that's the second movement of our passage this morning, or our idea this morning. Our second wave is sharing the gospel in church. I think oftentimes we think about sharing the gospel, it means to, to give someone a speech or to like, give them a rundown of the salvation facts. And once I've done that, I've shared the gospel. But, but that's only true if the gospel is a checkoff list of mental, uh, a, a mental agreement. But that's not what the gospel is. It's so much bigger than that. The gospel is God's good news to you. Yes, for salvation, but so much more. And so how, do we, how does the church share the gospel with people that will come to church? We talked about sharing it in your family. We talked about sharing it locally. We talked about how to share it globally. How do we share it here at the church with people that will come to church? And, and I would even say small groups are the church when you're meeting together. Or, or if you have a Bible study at work, that would be considered the church, people gathering together and becoming the people of God together. So how do we do that? Because the gospel is more than just salvation. It's more than just uh, that moment where we say yes to Jesus. The gospel is life and freedom. The, the gospel is community and purpose. It's hope and future. And, and the church is God's delivery system for the gospel to others and to us. So how is that going to show up in church? It's going to show up through each of us. It can't just show up through me. And it can't just show up through you. It's got to be brought through us together. When we're in actual meeting or we're meeting people, I'm going to give you four things that you can kind of consider to share the gospel with them. And, and it's not even going to be that checklist of tell them the facts about Jesus. <laughs> that, that, that's part of it. But that's probably the the final part of it, so you're sharing the gospel, you love and feel, that kind of stuff. Well, not the final, because then you share it with them, they say yes, and then you get to love out, live out the gospel even more. But, but that sharing, like, in terms of the verbal saying, here's Jesus, here's what he means, that kind of stuff, that's just a small piece of sharing the gospel. So here, here are four ways that we can share the gospel when we're at church or in church. The first is to welcome everyone. So we're going to look at this Romans passage and, the, and check out the last, the last line of this one. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that Christ had. So we want the attitude and mind of Christ. So that with one mind and one voice you could glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How? By here. Accepting one another then. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Church has to be a place where all people belong. It's, it's in our distinctive statement as a church where we say this. We say it this way. Everyone is welcome and made to feel welcome. The reason is because that's how we share the gospel with someone. When someone comes in here, they've got to know that they're welcome, that they belong, that they're not an outsider, that they're not rejected. It doesn't matter their sin or their lifestyle or the things that are going on, that they will find a place where people will care and love for them and love on them when they come into this community, where we accept one another, not begrudgingly, 
but openly and warmly. And that doesn't mean we stay. We talk about sin. We want to change. We want to be different. But, but, but to welcome someone right where they are, not where they should be or where they ought to be or where you expect them to be, but rather welcome someone wholeheartedly. And not just when you're here, hey, welcome, glad to see you, but why don't you welcome into your own family? Invite them to dinner at your house. Now, I've been seeing this a lot lately, and I'm so excited when it happens. Now, uh, I like it a little bit, but you know what I like even more? When you guys invite one another, and I hear about it. Now, you don't tell me, because you, know, you guys are super humble like that, but, but I love when I hear about it. They're like, oh yeah, I was at... I was this person's house. I was like, you were like, killing it. So good. Yeah, we went to dinner with them. Like, oh, we were at Disneyland with them. Oh, so excited. Invite people over to dinner. Maybe after church, go, say, hey, you want to go to lunch with a, with a group that you hadn't gone with or a couple of people that you, you haven't really met so much? Don't just be friendly. Make friends. Different. We kill it at being friendly. Our church is super friendly. But maybe we need to work at making friends by inviting them to dinner or going out. Food is the, this great bridge to connect to people. The church is, is wherever you gather and wherever you welcome people into your life, you're sharing the gospel with them. The moment you, you invite them to come over, the moment you invite them and tell them they're welcome and that you love them and that you want to walk beside them, that's the good news that they are welcomed and they are loved by God and that people want to be with them. That's the good news people are longing to hear. The second thing you can do is to share the gospel is you can listen well. James says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. This really famous passage, right? Slow to become angry. Listen well and meet people where they are. When you're unsure of what to say to someone, listen to what they have to say is the best place to start with the gospel, by listening to where they are, because the gospel is supposed to be good news, but it's got to be good news to them. It can't just be like, a, oh, I have this speech memorized, blah, 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 here's that. Was that good to you? Like, that's not going to be effective. The good news has to be good news to the person receiving it. And so, like, you'll see this with Jesus. If someone is blind, he says, what do you want? And the guy's like, oh, I want to see. So seeing would be good news to you if I healed your eyes? Yeah, that'd actually be really good news. Or, like, oh, I'm demon-possessed. He doesn't go to the demon-possessed guy. You know what? Uh, this is what I do. I heal people's eyes. You can now see. He's <laughs> like, no, that's not my problem. I could see before that. So it's not about giving this memorized speech to someone. You've got to listen to where they are in life. Like, what's going on? How are they hurting? Where can the gospel be good news to them? Where can Jesus meet them? Maybe they have relationship issues. And you say, you know what? I'm a mess without Jesus. The only way I navigate my marriage is because I have Jesus. Otherwise, I would be out of control. Maybe they can't, don't know how to deal with their kids or they're frustrated at work or, or whatever it is. Every situation is different. And so when you share the gospel, you're sharing the good news of God to them where they are. If, I, if I'm not dealing with something, then it's not really good news. If you say like, wow, you know, the uh, weather in San Antonio is going to be 78 degrees today. Don't care. I'm not in San No one I know is in San Antonio. Enough someone I love or my wife is visiting, they're like, oh, that's good news. But it's only good news if it, if it connects or reflects to what, what I'm going through, especially as a non-believer. They're not trying to, trying to be all about church and God and stuff, so you've got to listen so you can know how to share the good news rightly. What would be good news to them? 
And you've got to listen not only to the other person, but you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. There's something that you've got to actively listen to. And as a, as a believer, you've got to be hearing their problems, and you've got to be asking at the same time, trying to pay attention as best you can. But you've got to be asking God in the back of your mind, saying, Holy Spirit, would you guide me? I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. That sounds like a, like a mess. This person sounds weird. <laughs> it's not crazy. You're like, they're really messed up. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And, you, and so you're having a conversation with the Holy Spirit, and you're saying, Spirit, I'm trying to listen to them, and I want to listen to you. How can I speak good into their life? How can I speak good news of you? Give me the opportunity at that right moment to say the right thing. I don't have it on my own. But God's got the right thing to say. God's got all of the good news. And we see Jesus did that all time and time again. In every situation you find him, he does not give the same speech over and over. He's with farmers, he talks about farming. He's with fishermen, he talks about fisher people. He's with a blind guy, he talks about blindness, spiritual blindness. He's with a rich guy, he talks about the problem of money. He's with poor people, this people, with sinners, this people, prostitutes, this people, you know. The good news has got to be, we've got to listen to people in order to share the good news. The third thing is, we've got to become the good news. So it can't be something that you tell about God that you're not embracing and living out. In Ephesians 4, it says, Christ himself, he gave, he gave all these people to help us, like apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. And he gave them to us so that they would equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's in Ephesians chapter 4. So he says, God, God gives you all these people. You come to church, and, you, and, and what you can do at church in order to share the gospel is to actually become it. Say, so God has stuff for you to do, and he wants you to train as a holy priest. He wants you to train uh, in the areas of your giftedness, and then he wants you to reach this maturity to equip his people for good works of service that they can walk in the fullness of Christ. That's what God wants for you. The church isn't this building or location. It's all about people. It's you and I, wherever we go. And it's often said that, that you can only lead as far as you are willing to travel. You can't lead if you won't go there. And you can't lead someone into the goodness of God unless you're there yourself. You've got to become the gospel, live out the gospel, have the gospel be all in you. Let let people see the gospel transforming you. And this is hard because you're going to have to be open to sharing some of your flaws. You know, at church we come together and we go, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm all right. You know, Everyone's good and all right. That's fantastic. We have the most good and all right people ever. I have never heard anything other than good and all right, you know, like occasionally. But we've got to be open to say, no, I, I messed up this way or I have these kind of flaws and, and God accepts me. Share your experience of God's miraculous times in your life. Don't be scared of sharing those things. You see, you've got you to be open to share the things that God is doing within you, how you're becoming like God in order to affect other people so that they would be willing to become like God. So we grow spiritually in proportion to our connection to community. And so the more we're connected here, the more we can say, okay, I'm open, I'm willing to share my life, I'm willing to share the things that are going on, that's going to be sharing the gospel. That's sharing the good news that, that I'm not in this alone, that uh, I have issues and, and God's walking with me in them. And we've got all sorts of issues. We're going to deal with this a little bit next week, 
Uh, let's make sure to be here when we're talking about the gospel to myself. But, but in every age group of our, our church and each of us, it doesn't matter how long you've followed Jesus, there's things that are going on that we have issues with. And, and God wants to meet us in those. And so we've got to become the gospel. And the fourth thing was to show it. Jesus says, look, you guys are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and they put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So we share the gospel simply by living it out in front of non-believers, in, in front of those who are seeking after God and, and in front of those who are far away from God. Often new Christians will uh, share that they were first moved toward God by watching worship because it's so different than an experience that non-believers have. It's not, it's, there's music, so it's kind of like a concert, but something totally different happens in worship. And non-believers can, I'm not overly feely kind of person, but non-believers can feel it. Now, they may not know the Spirit, but they, they sense that something is going on. What we would say is the Holy Spirit's moving within that worship, and God is being honored and glorified. Now, a non-Christian can't pinpoint that, but they know that when they sit in worship, something is different. This isn't a concert. It, there's something... The confession is there's just something different going on. There's something weird going on. There's something like I couldn't quite pinpoint going on. And many people will say that that's often why they were drawn to church, because they saw it, something different on the faces when they were staring at that person to their left or the right. You know, Hopefully sneak staring, not just like stare staring, right? Like Something different is going on. And so we've got to show it to people. Don't be scared about your Christianity. Don't be scared about the Holy Spirit moving in you and you being excited for God and, and talk about it even at your work or, or talk about it in your small groups. Talk about it when you're at church. Share that with people. The church is where non-believers can peek in at what it looks like to be a Christian. And they peek in at, their, at our church and they'll peek in at your homes and they'll peek in as you're navigating with your neighbors. And all those places are places where you're sharing the gospel by living it in front of folks. Like practically speaking, if you bring people to church, then they're going to get to hear the gospel. We talk about Jesus all the time. That's sort of the job of the pastor. You know, we go through the Bible almost every week. I'm not sure we ever don't talk about the Bible. It's sort of our thing. And so they're going to get to literally hear like words about Jesus and that sort of stuff. And that, that's sharing the gospel too. And then they're going to get to see what communion, this kind of stuff. We explain it each week. And so they're going to be exposed to like, you know, the, the, the checklist fact sheets of Jesus. But, but really... The exposure of the gospel to people is watching your lives. The pastor's supposed to act like this, right? When I go and be nice to them, I'm supposed to. If I call them because they're sick, they're going to be like, oh yeah, he was supposed to. But when you call them when they're sick, when you're nice to them, that's when it matters. You know, because I have to. They're like, oh, that guy, he's a priest or whatever, you know, he has to do that. Like, he has to be nice to me and stuff. Like, it is. I get dust count on all the time. And I'm like, it takes effort for me too. But people are like, oh yeah, you're the pastor, you know? Someone will say, like, oh, yeah, no one visited me. I was like, my, my wife cooked you food. We came to your house. We gave you this stuff. And they're like, yeah, but no one called us. I was like, I called you three times. How can I be a no one but because I'm uh, supposed to be doing this? And so when you share the gospel, that's where the power is. I'll be telling them the gospel. And maybe you're really shy, so don't worry about it. Like, you don't have to hit that checklist of things to tell them. I'll tell them. You show them. You live it out in front of them. And you share the gospel with each person. And the last thing I want to say is, like, this is your church. If you're not inviting people to come see what God is doing, inviting people to come experience the gospel here at the church, why not? 
It's okay if there's a reason why not. I'd love to know. Because if there are things the church that needs, needs to do different or better that, that would help you bring your friends or folks to come know and meet Jesus, then, then I want to know about it. I, I want to make our church a place where, where people feel welcomed, where they feel loved, where, where they can love God and love others, where they can uh, find community, where they can hear about the goodness of God. And, and uh, I know maybe telling me is too much pressure, so the leadership board, they'd love to hear it, uh, or the other pastors would love to hear it, or, or just some random person. So if you're a random person and someone tells you that, come tell me, I'd love to hear it. But even more than that, I think that every one of you want this church to be amazing. I'm convinced about it. You don't have to be on the pastor staff. You don't have to be on the leadership board. I think that every person that calls this place their home wants to see this church be amazing and live out the gospel in front of others. A church where we can share that good news of all the goodness of God, not just salvation. Salvation is really good news. But there's even more. That's the beginning of the good news. And I know we want to be a church that shares that. And so, in full honesty, I'll tell you guys, I absolutely love our church. And I love each of you in it, and, and uh, you all are like, uh, you're really amazing folks to be around. I've been pastoring for 30 years now, and I've, uh, all, all my friends are kind of pastors and stuff. I'm really like loserly like that, but you know, like all my pastors are church, uh, my friends are pastors, and, and I, I uh, have a hobby of church. It's my favorite thing to do. It's my profession. Uh, it's what I watch all the time on the internet, like other churches and other kind of people, and, and I talk to pastors all the time. And, and, and I'll tell you, I have never, not only have I never experienced a church that I enjoy this much, I've never even heard about a church that is so good and so interested in sharing the gospel and so interested in experiencing the gospel themselves and walking in the goodness of God. I have never been a part of it or heard something like that. And so I am so proud and blessed to be your pastor to be building I bring my spiritual stone but I am so proud to set mine next to yours week after week so would you stand with me this morning we're going to worship in one voice as one body as one people just telling God remember he said like he's going to stack these spiritual stones together to create this building and then there will be a, an offering of praise and incense up to God that's like this moment right now and it's powerful and supernatural. Would you join me in it? 